Dear friends, welcome to our Tuesday night Open Way Sangha talks. We offer a talk on, usually on the first Tuesday of the month. Before we begin, I actually was wanting to thank you all for your really beautiful practice this evening. I was, uh, during our second sit, I was feeling a little restless um, and kind of opened my eyes a little bit and noticed that everyone was sitting so beautifully and so still and um, it just really entered into my heart and I felt myself still with you all. I don't know if every individual at that moment was still, but the Sangha was very still. And um, what a gift it is that we, that we offer to each other each week uh, by coming together and offering our, our really beautiful, wholehearted practice. And I really thank you for that. Uh, it brought me a lot of support and a lot of nourishment uh, tonight. So I hope it did you as well. During our talks this month uh, and this this season, we've been looking at practices that really help us uh, through difficult times, through suffering, through stress, through overwhelm. And I wanted to share with you all that when I first came to this practice, uh, we, were, we were talking about it earlier tonight, and I guess it's been 22 years ago, and I didn't um, didn't really think I had much work to do on feelings. <laughs> I thought that I was pretty good at that. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you know, I, I breathed and sat and really enjoyed uh, enjoyed the practice, enjoyed the introspection and the deep looking. And um, But I, one of the things that I noticed was um, my practice was kind of uh, flagging a little bit. And it was, uh, I didn't feel really solid or like I was making any progress. Kind of the, the shininess had worn off. Um, and I loved the Sangha so much uh, that being around the people made me feel better. But my uh, kind of inside uh, wasn't, there wasn't a lot happening. Well, that was incorrect. I wasn't aware of what was going on inside and not really having access to, to those subtle and not so subtle feelings. You know, of course I had the, the big feelings, you know, the ones that, that really catch your attention. Um, but didn't have a, a great depth of understanding of all the little nuance in between. And it was, um, it was a, a challenge for me to access that. And 
I realized that I never really had had that. Growing up as a young child, and in my in my family, it wasn't uh, wasn't cold or or neglectful, but there wasn't a lot of uh, experience of, of talking about our feelings and talking about uh, uh, what that was, other than the big ones, usually uh, anger or sadness or craving <laughs> or um, guilt was a big one. And it wasn't until I started really engaging with the Sutra on the Four Establishments of Mindfulness that I began to unpack this a little bit. And so the, the Four Establishments of Mindfulness are four places to really ground ourselves in looking deeply. And the first establishment is mindfulness of the body. It's actually mindfulness of the body in the body. It's a little strangely worded, but it's worded that way so that we remember that it's the body just as it is. The body, not adding, as we did in our meditation, not adding or subtracting anything, but just what is already there. And the other three establishments of mindfulness are the feelings and the feelings the mind in the mind, and the consciousness in the consciousness. And what I realized in exploring the sutra and exploring these practices was that my mindfulness of the body in the body, uh, I kind of passed over. I wanted to get into the other stuff, the, what I thought was a little more interesting, the mind, consciousness. Uh, wanted to really explore those places. Uh, and of course, part of that's because that's where I was most comfortable. I was in thinking and thought. And so I began really going back to the foundations uh, of the practice of the breath and the body, and the breath and the body. And going through body scans, kind of part by part, just investigating what's there. And the challenge for me uh, was that I wanted to add a layer of interpretation. I wanted to uh, have an experience in the body, a, a sensation, and then analyze why and where and what uh, it was. So I scaled it back even more and just started to look at sensation, things like heat or coolness, heaviness or lightness, tingling, numbness, you get the idea. And keeping it as simple as possible, just looking at the body with this lens of what is happening right now in the body. And every meditation, that was my focus for a long time, looking at the body. My mindfulness practice off the cushion was also looking at the body, 
feeling the contact of the floor, just like we did in walking meditation, feeling the sensations of whatever it was I was doing. And then um, I kind of forgot about the practice, <laughs> that practice and went on to what I thought was more interesting and started looking with uh, bigger, uh, what I thought of as bigger ideas like emptiness and non-self and nirvana. And, um, and what happened was this summer, I work at St. Patrick Hospital and um, we had made it through the huge number of hospitalizations in November of 2020. And uh, they've been going down and going down and going down and almost completely gone in June. Uh, if you remember, that was when we had that brief month where masks weren't strongly recommended anymore. And, uh, People were encouraged to gather, and, uh, and in the hospital, there was only one, maybe two people hospitalized with COVID, and none of them in the ICU. Uh, none of them on ventilators, and and then, as you know, things kind of fell apart again, and it started to rise, and we started to see more and more people come into the hospital. And the ICU uh, filled up. Uh, we would get calls from out of state, uh, sometimes once even from Texas, seeing if we had any beds available. And uh, we didn't. And they had to increase the diameter of the pipes that deliver oxygen to the rooms uh, because they we weren't able to get enough oxygen to enough people. And kind of lost it, uh, fell apart. I got extremely bitter and angry. And, and had no peace inside and really outside either because I was, that frustration and anger came out, uh, came out uh, towards my family and it came out towards my energy level. I had no desire to, to do anything. Mm -hmm. I was too, uh, it was just taking just all of me. And I remembered uh, last fall when I had hit a place of overwhelm. I was like, oh yeah, that body practice. <laughs> Establishments of mindfulness. Because what I wanted was, um, I wanted my, I wanted my mindfulness practice uh, to make it so that I wasn't angry anymore. I wanted it to be so that I could just uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy life, enjoy uh, kind of equanimity, and be okay with, with, you know, the hospital was filling up. And I have to say, when I started this practice, I would have told myself that's what I was doing. And I would have been numb. Um, and I would have been confused why I was getting so angry with the people close to me and frustrated. Mm -hmm. 
So this time was different. This time I came back into the body. And I allowed myself to feel that anger. And I did it, uh, fortunately, I kind of had established this mindfulness practice of keeping it at the level of sensation. So when the anger came up, and there was a part of me that wanted to be like, well, it's justified because he's, you know, this is really frustrating. And, um, and that may be true, but it wasn't helpful. What was helpful was taking a moment to close my eyes, to do this actually, put a hand on my heart, and just feel. Feel the sensations, feel the heat, feel the tingling in the, in the extremities, to feel the tightness Feel that that beginning of a desire to move, probably not in a helpful or healthy way at that moment, but keeping it and using those labeling words of tingling, heat, whatever it was, to just be with it. And what happened um, is that the the anger cooled a little bit. Not right away. Not even necessarily the day I started, but over time that um, coming back into touch with my body allowed me to be, well, I mean, the body is, where else is it but in the present? It's always in the present. We might affect the body by thinking about the past or the future, but the body is right here, right now. And so in coming into touch with that, what happened was I was able to come into touch with the present, just as it is. Doesn't mean that I changed my view about why I was frustrated or angry. But it did open up a space inside where I was able to touch a little more empathy, a little more compassion. A little more uh, tenderness inside. In that process of coming back to the body and to allow the feelings to be the feelings made me realize that the feelings start right here in the body and then they move up and then we start adding layers of interpretation on top of it eventually getting to a place where we might uh, create a story however true it is it's a story that allows that feeling to remain 
allows it to, to stay and live inside. And it was very powerful to allow it to move. And what, as I mentioned, uh, my empathy and compassion increased, but also um, my ability to care for not just the patients, but the staff uh, that I worked with who were suffering so deeply also increased. And strangely, what I found is that in coming into touch with the body and allowing feelings to, to move on their own allowed me to come into contact with other people's suffering um, much more easily because it didn't belong to me. It was able to move through me in that same way. So when I uh, would take, when I would be with uh, one of my coworkers who was really struggling, I could feel it, but I didn't have to keep it. I could let it move and come back into touch with that person. There's a, there's a series of practices called the five powers. And the first of the five powers is, is faith. And in this case, it's a trust, it's a faith, first of all, that we have the capacity to stay with those experiences. But it's also a faith that with practice, with repetition, uh, can really lean into those difficult places and allow them to move. And there's a natural tendency to want to avoid those things, avoid those feelings. And faith, uh, in this case for me, was a real trust in just allowing that experience to move through. I admit I was a little surprised that it worked because I didn't have that faith. Um, I actually didn't trust that it would move. I didn't think there was anything that would allow me to feel compassionate towards people that, in my view, were making choices that put me and my coworkers at risk and stressed our hospital system. Still don't agree with those things, but I do uh, not harbor as much anger. Comes up now and again, and I can breathe with it and just let it move. Um, because I don't really want to be <laughs> angry. I don't want to be afraid or hurt. And so the beautiful paradox is that by allowing myself to be angry and afraid and hurt, I can let them go. By being a little uncomfortable, 
were a lot uncomfortable. I could move them, move through. And I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to do that. I just wanted this mindfulness practice to make it go away. Didn't want to experience that discomfort, that pain. And really, it was fear. I'm still afraid of a lot of things. And when it comes up, you can come back into the body, back into the present. And it has that capacity to allow me to step forward, to actually engage, engage in action, whether that's being kind and listening to a coworker or doing other steps to, to transform whatever it is that's that's causing suffering. And my faith in this practice was, <laughs> and not in, in this general practice, but in that specific aspect of the practice, was restored so much that uh, the other day I was visiting a, a person who was very confused, elderly person in, at the, in the hospital. And, confused and so I sat down with this person and asked um, you know if there was fear asked if there was fear inside and uh, the person had tears and said yes I'm afraid because they're very critically ill and so I said hey can I do something a little risky with you um, you know, okay. And I said, uh, does your fear have a shape? And the person said, no, it's just everywhere. Said, does it have a color? And I said, yeah, it's kind of light gray. Mm. Does it have a feeling? Yeah, I'm kind of cold all over. And these kinds of ways of looking at those big sensations, those big feelings, I put a little definition around it, a little, adds a little, um, I guess, uh, makes it a little more familiar, a little more known, moves it away from unknown from looming large to being something that you can manage. And um, I sat with the person for a little longer. And, um, it was a, a day where the clouds had actually lifted. And I said, well, it's bright blue sky outside right now. And um, we talked a little bit about just how um, you know, the the sky is always blue. Sometimes there's clouds in front of it. Sometimes light gray clouds, sometimes storm clouds. 
and, um, and then I had to move on, and one of the physicians stopped me in the hall later and said, um, what did you do to that man in there? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, well, we, you know, we just talked a little, and, and she said, it was night and day uh, from when she had seen him earlier that day. Um, and maybe it was that practice, maybe it was leaning into that, maybe it was something else, uh, maybe it was a part of it, but it did reaffirm my faith that you don't have to have done this forever to benefit from it. You can do it right now. Mm. That these things really do transform suffering. These practices really do offer us a way of finding peace and stability in whatever it is that we're experiencing. And just uh, in closing, I like to always remember that our teacher lives um, in who founded Plum Village and has taught so many, uh, the Venerable Thich Nhat Hanh, developed so much of his understanding of Buddhist practice in the midst of wartime. And he teaches breathing and smiling. Not because, uh, not because it makes us feel good, it does, but because it really does transform suffering when we bring it all the way in, close into our heart, and take it very seriously and wholeheartedly. That really does transform suffering. And he knows that. And he offers that to all of us as a, as a way of being able to, to live our lives completely with everything that comes up without, without pushing anything away, without wishing anything were different, which is another thing that's really hard to trust. So my hope for all of us is that, you know, as we walk this path together, is that we, um, as we you know, come up with the next difficulty, the ongoing difficulties, both in our personal lives and socially, that we can continue to be a, a refuge where we can come to feel that stability and support from one another, but that we can also really trust that this stuff works. We just have to do it. But the beauty is, we don't have to do it alone. We get to come here together to do it. And we have access to each other so that we can really allow transformation to occur. So thank you for your beautiful practice for supporting me tonight. I really needed it. Really am grateful for your stability, for your 
loving listening and your presence. 